Welcome to Show Up, Stand Up, and Speak Up. I'm Sherry Godfrey, your host and visibility business coach. Today, I am pleased to present to you Diana Lindstone, the entrepreneur's GPS, and she is sharing her real intimate story about burnout. She's hoping that by sharing her story, that you will avoid the pitfalls of burnout and overcome any of the challenges you may be facing right now. If you're stuck on autopilot and you're in survival mode, then this is for you. Diana Lindstone, for those of you who are not aware, is a what I would classify as a good friend and a trusted advisor. And if you've never met Diana Lindstone before, she is better known as the entrepreneur's GPS or the marketing guru. So I brought Diana into the circle today so that we can have some good, honest conversations about business and about burnout. So Diana, welcome. Thank you for having me, Sherry. This is amazing. I'm super excited to have you here and I'm beyond excited to talk about the topic because I think it is so relevant to what is going on in the world today. There is burnout galore everywhere we turn, whether you're a mom at home with kids or whether you're a business owner, the list just continues to grow with all of the burnout. And it almost saddens me a little bit to say that you're also an expert in this area. Yeah, I think, you know, I've always been a little crazy with my entrepreneurial endeavors. And for those of the people who are listening or watching who don't know, I had a retail store and for 12 years. And that's when I experienced my burnout. And I have come close to it in this business, but now I'm much more aware of what it looks like. And there are lots of lessons you can learn from a little bit of burnout. There is a lot of lessons. And I think if we backtrack just a little bit, you weren't just a retail owner for 12 years. I'm going to kind of give off the resume, if I may. So retail owner for 12 years in a really small town of 5,000 people that relied on tourism in the summer. You had teenagers at the time. So if anybody is listening right now with teenagers, we could just mic drop right there. We all know what that is like. But not only were you managing a store, managing it to teenagers, you were managing it while your husband traveled. And in amongst all of that, as if ladies, this is not enough, your father passed, your brother passed, and your daughter became bedridden. Yeah. It was not a fun time in our household for a couple of years in there. I would say actually the last seven years um, in my retail store. And, you know, when I started that store, I really didn't know much about retail. So there was a lot of learning to do. So I can really resonate when people are starting a business. I get it. I so understand it. There's a lot of stuff to learn. I didn't know about you know, hiring and firing staff. I knew nothing about that. I knew nothing about inventory management. So my husband who was in business taught me about that. I knew nothing about, you know, displaying things. I I mean, I was green as green could be. So, I mean, I feel very lucky in a way that 
we were able to make that store very profitable despite uh, some of the challenges that we had. So, yeah. So. so I think we can easily say that for a little while you were on autopilot, you were mm -hmm. in survival mode. And I think many women will also relate to this one. There is guilt. You <laughs> feel guilty when you're at work because I should be at home. You feel guilty when you're at home because you should be at work. And it's just a never ending cycle. And for the women who are tuning in and listening, how can you help them through that phase if they're sitting there right now? Yeah, I, I so I'll, I'll kind of step back and, you know, you alluded to my daughter being ill and bedridden. And I wrote about that in my book. Um, but I also, that was devastating, not just for me, but for the other members of the family. And while I was in that, I couldn't see the forest for the trees. Like it was all I could do. You say autopilot. It was all I could do to drive to the store, which was 11 minutes away and do what I had to do and whatever. And so, you know, you feel that guilt um, while you're in it. And I would say that when I look back, uh, what I should have been doing more of, shoulda, woulda, coulda, um, but gratitude. And I know that when my daughter got well and after we sold the store, I really got into gratitude because it helped me get out of my burnout. And, you know, a lot of people talk about gratitude, you know, turns that frown upside down and whatever. Honest to God, it was my saving grace. You know, I was grateful that there might've been a pile of dishes in the sink because we had food to put on those dishes or the laundry was piled up. Oh, we got clothes, you know? It doesn't really matter. It's just that there is something in everything. And I remember a good friend of mine when my daughter was first diagnosed with chronic fatigue and she was in the Maritimes and her background is nursing. And she said, I thought it was the most hurtful thing she ever said, but she didn't mean it that way. She said, Diana, just be grateful that it's not a life-threatening illness. Mm. And I kind of went, well, what do you mean? I mean, it's a life, it was a life-altering illness, but, you know, when you turn it around, the perspective, yeah, yeah. She, could have had, she could have had to have been in the hospital with open heart surgery or whatever, right? There are worse things, so, yeah. And I think those are valid points that for the women who are listening, in if you're walking in your door today feeling a little frustrated with the world and with the cards that are sitting on the table or at your feet if the dishes are piled in the sink it's a blessing if the laundry is piled high it's yeah. a blessing yeah. and that it may not get done today it will get done and don't stress gratitude comes in many different forms and we speak about it a lot more now and i think it's a matter of really going on to the inside and really being grateful for those really small, minor details in the home. Yeah, and it's, the thing is, you know, I see some, a lot of people saying, well, you gotta write, you know, three things that you're grateful for at night. Yeah, that's a good start, but you hit the key, the nail on the head, so to speak. It's about actually diving into that feeling of being grateful, like mm -hmm. let it bring up an emotion. 
Absolutely. Absolutely. And I say that to a lot of women all the time is that there's some days you just need to sit in the field. And if today is one of those days and the house is a disaster all around you and you're not quite sure what business is going to look like tomorrow, just let the feels be and we can start fresh tomorrow. Yeah. And the thing is today with COVID, nobody's going to see your house anyway. Nobody's going to see that the laundry's piled up. (laughs) No one's going to see. And I can tell you that there, there is a rainbow. There is a light at the end of the tunnel and there is hope that sometimes we're sitting right in the middle of a mess and we can't see the hope that it brings. It's hard to find the gratitude. Diana, I know when you sold the business that you actually had to sit in some burnout to be able to move through into a new space and charter a new path. Yeah, I thought after we sold the store and it was really emotional for me to sell the building I thought, oh, I'll just take a little bit of, you know, the inventory that I have in the store. Uh, I had, you know, the suppliers, I knew the inventory, I had a list of people who wanted that type of inventory. And I thought, oh, I'll just put it online. You know, I'll create an online store. Just. (laughs) Just. (laughs) Yeah. Um, And then when I got home, I, I, I just didn't have the energy for anything. Nothing. And truthfully, I probably spent a year, a year at least, getting up in the morning, getting my coffee, taking a trashy novel, sitting on the couch in the living room. Then I might get up and get another cup of coffee, but that's where I spent my mornings. I had no energy and no desire to do anything. Uh, So that was at least a year. Probably this, maybe moving into the second year, I was getting more energy and I don't know if anybody's been like this, but when you're on this autopilot kind of thing, when I had my store, you know, um, so there would be Christmas. Well, then Christmas would get over and I would just shove everything into a closet and hide it behind closed doors or my own personal closet, whatever it was, closets were like bulging. Out. And so I started organizing and, you know, decluttering and all that type of thing. Until one day, my daughter came home. By this time, she was well. She came home and she went to the tea cupboard where the tea and the coffee was. And she opened the door and she went, and she said, Mom, come here. And I went, What? What? I'm going, like, you know, what's happened in the cupboard? And she goes, Look. I went, Yeah. And I look and it still doesn't hit me. She says, you have organized all the tea boxes and all the tea containers and all the coffee containers like a display in the store. (laughs) She says, I think it's time for you to do something else. So that was the, the impetus for going back out to networking. And, um, funny that as I did, I met it a woman who many of you know, um, I met her at this networking and she showed up kind of every month or every week like I did. And she was in transition of her business as well. And so one day we actually had a coffee and uh, we were kind of both, you know, what are we going to do? 
and she had been exploring coaching. And I went, well, what is that kind of thing? And she says, well, that's what you should be doing. And I went, what? She says, you know how to grow a business. Whatever you learned in your retail, you could apply to other businesses. And I went, I could. And so I started sort of exploring that. And of course, the first thing that popped up was, many of you will perhaps resonate with this. I couldn't possibly do that. I'm not good enough to do that. I don't have a coaching degree. I don't have a business degree. And so that what I call the itty bitty shitty committee popped up and um, really for a long time kept me playing small. But um, you can just touch on that for one moment. Mm -hmm. I know that there's somebody listening to you today who is sitting in that same boat that perhaps based on circumstances beyond their control with the opening and the shutting that COVID has brought upon us, that perhaps their retail store is closing down. Mm. Perhaps they've been sitting in a burnout that they didn't even realize existed. And as they're forced to sit at home and take time to reevaluate life and business, their itty bitty shitty committee is coming up on their shoulders. So right. ladies, I want you to know loud and clear, and I want you to hear Diana. She's been there. She self-doubted, she self-judged, she was unsure, but she continued to put one foot in front of the other. And if you are sitting in despair today, I can tell you that there's hope and there's possibility. And Diana was coaching before coaching was a thing. So Diana, take us through your rebirth, really. Yeah, um, it took a while because just like everything else, when you start something new, you really, so I'll be transparent here. I started coaching, I didn't know what I was doing. I mean, I knew how to grow a business, but what did a successful coaching business look like? Right. And I went, as I started this, I, I remember I was working with a financial advisor, I think an hour, probably four hours a month. And this, by this time we were doing it by phone. And I think he paid $300 a month. Wow. Newsflash ladies, that is not what she charges now. <laughs> <laughs> but I didn't know. And right. so eventually uh, I ended up hiring a coach who had a very successful coaching business. And, you know, there were many jaw dropping moments because I went, oh, mm. that's what I should be doing. And so as I've moved along, I think that I've learned a lot from every single coach that I have had. And I always have a coach, always, 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 whether it's a speaking coach, whether it's, you know, that coach I had this year, I hired another coach because we don't stop learning. And the other thing is, and, you know, I'll use the analogy of a jar. So if there is a jar of, let's say, peanut butter, 
You're the peanut butter. You're in the jar. Got it. You can't read the label on the outside. So we can't be objective. We can't see the forest for the trees. Mm -hmm. um, it, it's really hard to do this when we're in it. And especially if we are experts in something. As experts in something, we often don't know, for instance, how to communicate what we do so that the muggles, right, <laughs> understand what we're talking about. And I agree with that wholeheartedly. And it's, yeah. I'm not a sports person. I will be very upfront with that. But your highest athletes in the world have a coach. Of course. I mean, any, has a coach. Any, yeah. yeah. Any coach that I know has a coach. And they have a coach to keep elevating and move themselves up. So ladies, if you're sitting here right now wondering how you're going to get from point A to point B, let alone point Z way down the road, and you think that hiring a coach is not your thing, I can tell you that it's exactly your thing. They help you see things that you can't see for yourself. I'm extremely good at seeing things for other people, but when it comes to having to see my own stuff in the thick of it, it's not my jam. No. And it's the hardest thing to know that it's not your jam to coach yourself. Yeah. That's where somebody else comes in. Yeah. And Diana has been doing that and fine tuning that as she goes. Yeah. Now you have three takeaways for the ladies who are listening right now. So perhaps you're struggling in business and you don't know where to go. I can tell you that these takeaways will help. Perhaps you're content in the business that you have, but you would like to elevate. There's a little bit of a niggle there that you'd like to have a little bit more. There's that burning desire in the pit of your stomach. These takeaways will help. So we don't have a notepad yet. I strongly suggest you pull one out and Diana's gonna give us some of her magic and some of her wisdom. So Diana, three takeaways. Yeah, so the first one and um, is to spend more time on marketing than anything else. Mm. Marketing brings you leads and prospects. If there is something you need to learn in your business, it is not about learning more about your expertise. It is learning more about marketing because if you don't have those leads and prospects, you don't have a business. Agreed. So if there's a course that you were thinking about taking right now to make you a better dot, 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 whatever it is that you are, perhaps don't click that send button quite yet because it's not really what you need. You already know what you know. It's how to convey that to the rest of the world that needs to be elevated. Marketing, yeah. hands down. Yeah, so I often talk about five core activities that entrepreneurs uh, have, small businesses. So there's marketing and sales, there's client fulfillment, that's actually working with the clients. Mm -hmm. There's customer service, so that's answering all the emails. There's admin and operations. And then there's the fifth that most of us don't think is part of our business, but that's growth and personal development. Right. New business owners tend to spend ma the majority of their time admin and operations. So, you know, I don't mean it's, I don't mean that it's busy work, but that is work that eventually your goal is to get more clients so that you can hire that out. Oh, I agree. 
right? So yeah, yeah it's about, um, and they're, so they're spending their time. And even I find, you know, I've worked with multi-million dollar companies and the owners, the CEOs are still doing their own travel arrangements. And no, that's admin and operations. They should be right. spending their time on marketing. So if you're not generating all the revenue that you want in your business, then kind of the statistics are that you should be, should be spending somewhere between 70 and 80% of your time on marketing. Now, when I was in my retail store, I used to be the salesman, the admin person. I washed the toilets. I did it all. Right. But if I really, truly had looked at that and wanted to grow, I should have spent more time doing the marketing and hired someone to do kind of the admin. I agree. So that means if there's a house cleaner on your list of to-dos and wants, yes. it's the yes. first one that you get. So those dishes, that laundry, and those toilets are somebody else's responsibility and they won't even bother you anymore. Yeah. So that's the first one. The second one is to niche down. And I mean, that came up this morning. So what's a niche? It's a specialty. So uh, in my retail store, I when I first started, I was a general gift store. So if everybody can imagine back in the late 90s, a New England gift store. So it you know, the creaky floors, the smell of all the candles and all that kind of thing. Mm -hmm. I should have niched more, but the funny thing was an opportunity did present itself about year nine for us to change that. And at the time we didn't think it was very funny at all. We thought it was terrible. So what happened was that uh, we sort of had a 10-year plan for our business. And at 10 years, we were going to sell. So year nine, we're thinking about selling it. We put it up for sale. Eventually, somebody came, they made an offer. We made an agreement, blah, 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 blah. And so they were going to buy it. We started liquidating all our inventory. There was, ad, there was ads in the newspaper. There was articles in the newspaper about how Diana was retiring from the store and somebody else was buying it. Last minute, the buyer pulled out. Ooh. Oh, yeah. Ooh. Oh, yeah. So I was left with an almost empty store and a whole town who knew that we were going. Ouch. Ouch. Egg on my face. Anyway, I went, so what? And there was another opportunity. Didn't look like an opportunity at the time, believe me. They usually but, don't look like an opportunity at the time. Agreed. Um, so I actually took some time and thought, what is it, if I was to grow my business, what change would need to happen? And um, eventually my husband and I came up with the idea that because we our building that we owned was an old house. Okay, so we had rooms. Mm. 
And we went to Toronto and we looked at some of the retail stores, home decor, that sort of thing. It came up with a, a very modified version of the Pottery Barn. So and the Pottery Barn displays rooms, basically. Yep. So that's what we did. We had a bathroom and I put all kinds of bathroom products in there. We had another room that was like a bedroom. And so I had quilts and throws and we had another room that was like a dining room. And so I had a dining room set and we sold Canadian, mostly Quebec made furniture. So we really niched down to uh, home decor for those people who were around us who had um, you know, big country homes. So we were, again, niche down. We weren't selling a $15 gift to take to somebody's house. We were selling a $1,000 chair that they would put in their house. Perfect. And um, so niching down like that really made tremendous difference. And the growth in our profits and revenue in that last year and a half was phenomenal. Um, and so if you have a service-based, because I deal mostly with service-based businesses, but whatever it is, you need to niche down and know who is that dream client that you have. I mean, I've worked with retail stores, you know, who, who really is your best buyer? I've worked with financial advisors. Who really is your best buyer? Who can you serve the best? Agreed. Yeah. Yeah, so niching down probably is my, the second lesson that I learned. And then your lesson number three? Lesson number three is simplify to grow. Shut the front door. Yeah, <laughs> simplify. Right. Yeah, and, and I think I'm pretty clear. Most people that I have met and mo probably most women who are listening uh, have a vague vision of their what they want their business to look like. And they want to spend time, they want to have time for their personal life and make more money. So there's this kind of this balance between. They want to make more money, whether it's to travel, spend time with the grandkids, like you do, whatever it is. Um, I know some women who are going back to school, uh, but they still want to keep their business going. But in order to do that, I believe we need something that I call predictably profitable marketing. In other words, you know exactly what marketing efforts produce the best results for you. Mm -hmm. the, when I say results, I mean money. Absolutely. And, and you can generate income on demand. Now, if I look back at my store, when I had my store, now remember this was pre kind of internet, 1995, 1990s, went through Y2K in the year 2000. We were faxing, okay? Yeah, yeah. We were putting discount coupons in the newspaper. We were putting ads in newspapers. But when I look back, the best thing that we ever did was hold special events. Mm -hmm. I should have done more of that. Right. So what I see with a lot of coaches and consultants is that they go out there and they get their certifications and then they start their businesses and they are true experts in their field. 
but they have huge difficulty, one, explaining what they do so that people hire them, and two, knowing what marketing efforts to do. So they do what I call the marketing hustle. They kind of, they try uh, Facebook. Oh, maybe I'll dabble in LinkedIn. Oh, no, there's a new one out called Clubhouse and we'll get into that. Maybe I'll try that. Shiny squirrel? Yeah, shiny squirrel. And been there, done that. Right. And it doesn't give you the momentum that you need. So what I absolutely know for sure is the three things, and I call them the marketing trifecta, that you need in order to shift your marketing so that it is effective and brings you profit. One is you need to look at your own strengths. You and I have had lots of discussions around your entrepreneur's DNA, right? We certainly have. Yeah. And, you know, Sherry is a great speaker. And so she needs to be speaking more, but she's also, so that's her content style, but we also looked at her entrepreneurs, what I call the archetype. And she is an amazing collaborator. I'm not a collaborator, unfortunately, but I am a teacher. So we have different styles, but when we know those styles, we really know how best and easiest. To, yes, and to easiest. Focus. Easiest, right? So it brings ease. So that's number one. Number two is what I call your keystone initiatives. And all that means is that you need to know what activities to work on every single day for your stage of business growth. So Sherry's business is in a different stage than my business is at, but we need to know what those activities, what to do. I think the biggest thing in there is when we say simplify is to have, it's kind of what I call the power of one. You need one high ticket offer to sell to one dream client that solves a one problem for that dream client. So it's three ones, but it's the power of one. Yeah. And yeah. And instead of, because entrepreneurs are so creative, we like to create things. Yeah. We go, oh, I can create a new workshop and a new this and a new that. That's not actually where we build momentum. And that's not how you build a hundred K or a seven-figure business. No, it's how you build more burnout. Yeah, thank you. There you go. <laughs> the third thing that you need in your marketing trifecta is what I call your marketing playbook. And it's a plan. Basically, right. it's a plan. Because if you don't have a plan, you're doing the hustle or you're doing the bright, shiny objects, the squirrel thing. And you basically... It's, yeah, you be busy, you're wasting so much of your energy and your time going down different rabbit holes, listening to all these different webinars, these different things that, oh, maybe that could be the magic bullet, but it's not really gaining momentum in your business. So those are the three things in the marketing trifecta. And um, yeah, and if I can just kind of sum it up, the reason I'm passionate about marketing really is because the number one job of your marketing is to bring you those leads and prospects so that you can make more sales. Otherwise, you don't have a business. You don't have a business. And we've had this conversation many times. 
I think women get stuck in the cycle of giving their time away. When that itty bitty shitty committee is sitting on their shoulder telling them what they should not be doing, why they should not be doing and why they're not qualified, they, we oftentimes believe them. We get into a cycle and a habit of giving our time away for nothing. And then people are gobsmacked, shocked when you turn around and start charging. So ladies, start charging out of the gate. So many women do so much for free and it sets a bad precedence for all of us. You are not just doing you a disservice. You're doing all the women in business a disservice. And I think as we sit back and reflect and listen to what Diana has had to share with us today, I think what Diana does is that she gives us a lot of hope. She gives those of you hope who are sitting with teenagers or little kids, who are sitting with a business that you're struggling, you're on the verge of burnout and you just don't know what to do. She makes it really easy. If you're not generating the leads, it's 70 to 80% marketing. You really need to niche down because if you are selling to everyone, you are selling to no one. Ladies, I can tell you that is true. I've done it. It doesn't mean that you can't help somebody else, but you can't serve everyone. And if you only had a hundred marketing dollars, you need to put that into one specific group that's going to light you on fire when your feet hit the floor and you need to simplify to grow. Stop being busy just for the sake of being busy. And if you're not being predictably profitable right now in your business, Diana, somebody that I encourage you to reach out to offline, have a conversation with her. You can find her on the internet. You can find her on Facebook. And I know that she does do consultations. So if you're in a world of struggle and you just can't get your head above water, she has a life jacket that she can throw you. Beyond a shadow of a doubt, I do know that. She will help you tread water. She will help you start to swim. You will come out of the water, walking and running and elevating your business. You would be shocked at what you can do when you have a coach in your corner. And Diana, I know, is a trusted advisor to many. She has a heart of gold. She also will unapologetically kick in the ass just when you need it. And yes, some days, ladies, it hurts, but she does it with love and kindness. Okay. So, yeah, I want to thank you for being so honest and being so open about your experience as a mother, as a wife, and as a business owner. And most importantly, for coming on and giving women hope that there's hope and gratitude, and there is a light at the end of the tunnel. Thank you so much for your wise words of wisdom. I appreciate them. Thank you so much, Sherry, for having me. It's been fun. Awesome. We'll chat soon. Thanks, Diana. Take care. Thank you for joining Diana and I. I do hope that you found some value and benefit from hearing Diana share her story. I do encourage you to reach out to Diana either through her website or her Facebook. Now my business ladies, we know that 2021 is our year. If you are struggling right now in business, know that I am here for you. As your business visibility coach, I am here to help you crush your limiting beliefs and shake up your status quo. 
I can help you harness your voice, tap into your unique talents, and reshape your thought patterns. If you are ready to show up, stand up, and speak up for you and your business, then we need to have a conversation. I am sick and tired of watching women be overrun with overwhelm, with no strategic plan in place, and no visibility to be seen of. If you are ready to scale out of your kitchen into profitability, then please book my link and book a call. I would love to hear about you and your business. With that, may your bucket be full, may your heart be light, and remember to take a moment and pause so that your soul may sing your praises. Have a blessed day.